Welcome to the Metaversible Podcast, chronicling the journey of reaching the metaverse through blockchain, digital art, and virtual reality. Welcome back to the Metaversible Podcast, where we explore the art and the science of the metaverse, this digital world in which we live in. Again, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Cochran, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and best friend, Ron Eddings. Welcome back home to the metaverse. And we're about to take another red pill and dive right in. Who do we have with us today, Ron? Our guest is Evan Mayfield, also known as GM Al Farmer. Evan is an Academy Award-winning creator and also the art director for the Kingdom of Dwarves. We've been looking forward to this podcast for a few weeks now, and I'm glad the day is finally here. Evan, welcome to the Metaversible Podcast. Uh, it's so good to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me, and uh, I look forward to chatting more about you know, the Kingdom of Dwarves and you know, grand plans and all of those things. So thanks for having me. We are beyond excited to have you. This, I have to be completely honest with you. I am so excited about this episode because I am a fellow dwarf. This is my favorite project of all NFTs, whether you're talking about Ethereum or Solana. This is hands down my favorite art, my favorite community. It's just incredible. But for the folks out there that don't know who you are just yet, tell us a little bit about your journey, not only through the metaverse, but also through art in general. Tell us a little bit about your origin story. Sure, I'd love to. Just a little bit of backstory. Um, I am an animator, animation director by trade. I got into it at an early age, was drawing all the time and just kind of made my way into college from an animation standpoint. So I was in an animation, 3D animation track in college. Um, I was fortunate enough to make a, a senior film that went on to win an Academy Award. And that kind of propelled me straight into uh, my position, my first position at Sony Pictures, and that was in Los Angeles, California. 12 or 13 years later, here we are, and I'm working with a good group of friends, most of which who are developers, but a couple of other creatives, and we launched this NFT called Kingdom of Dwarves. I am the art director. Up until this point, I've been head of almost everything in terms of creative, whether that be story or art. And moving forward into the future, I will also obviously be heading up the animation aspect of this project. Mm, the animation aspect of the project. And we're going to get to that a bit more. But before we do, I wanted to take a step back and talk a bit about the Kingdom of Dwarves. We really think this project is special because of the team that put everything together and how they did it. Tell us a little bit about the season construct, how it came about, and also how it's been going so far. Sure. You know, we're kind of in a bear market right now in terms of NFTs, right? Prior to, you know, maybe middle of this year, it was a good space for NFTs and people were buying them up. You could drop 7,000 and they'd get snatched up right away. And a short while ago, we started seeing all of this rug pulling going on, right? There was some rug pulls. There was, you know, nobody was doxxed. People were getting taken for their money. And the NFTs started becoming kind of a, a wild card in terms of investment. So for us, we wanted to come in and we wanted to zig when everyone else was zagging, so to speak, right? So for the risk averse, we wanted to calm some of those fears. One of the ways that we thought we could do that is instead of dropping an entire 
you know, our entire collection of 4,000, we would do it in seasons. And the seasons, you know, we came across this idea. A lot of us are gamers. And one of the cool things that I remembered from gaming, especially, you know, PlayStation games and all of these games that upload new data every season, Call of Duty or Rocket League or these different kind of ideas, every season there are new attributes. There are new things that are added. And so you always have something to look forward to, right? There are new new skins, all kinds of different things. So the idea was if we can split this up into eight seasons, right? For Again, for the, for the person who's not sure if they want to jump in, here's the incentive. We're not dropping all 4,000. We're dropping 500 at a time, right? And we've right. got whitelist spots that we assigned a token to. So you can get those, you can win those, or you can buy those on the secondhand market. And in that way, we were able to get a real good sense of, you know, what our followership looked like before launch, before we dropped them. Um, and I, I'm so thankful to say that within a few minutes, we'd sold out of 90% of them. And then over the next couple of hours, the rest of them were gone. So um, I do believe the plan works well. I know from a tech perspective, it was tricky for our devs to figure out how to do this with a collection of 4,000. Right. Dropping a few at a, you know, dropping a few at a time because we really hadn't seen that model before. And so I know there was some, you know, some obstacles to overcome there in terms of the tech, but they did a fantastic job of figuring it out. And I believe we're posed and positioned to have successful drops, you know, for the remainder of the seasons and on into the next collections, which I'm not going to say much about past season eight. <laughs> We've got some exciting things on the horizon. Yeah, if you want to drop some nuggets, some some special Easter eggs, by all means, drop them. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, though, and I think you're the perfect guest to talk to out of folks that are on the project, is the music. Because you basically built an experience. This entire process, even between waiting for different drops or different seasons, th there is a thematic and very narrative-based approach the way you guys are still cultivating not only the community, but keeping the suspense high. But I want to start with the music. When I got to the Mint page and it was playing that music, and then I, I went to the Discord and I wanted to see what other people were, were thinking about the music because I thought it was a really nice touch. It wasn't just like, all right, just sit here, refresh until this thing is live. There was almost like this entrance into the story, almost like a waiting page for a video game. And then come to find out you're the one that composed the music. Uh, tell us a little bit about the composition of the music. What was your inspiration for the sound itself and why you thought that added so much character to the drop? Right. So again, my background is character animation, right? So I look at everything in terms of story. So for me specifically, I'm applying all of the things that I know about story. When you watch a good movie, what does that entail, right? That entails the cinematography. It entails set design. It entails the, the script. You know, you've got your score. All of those things come together to make a good story that draws you in and makes you part of it yourself right and so you blink two hours later and you realize you don't you, you wish the movie wasn't over right so that's kind of the way that i'm approaching this and, and again i think it is very different than the way most most projects approach it but i'm really approaching it from a story standpoint and i really hammer that into my you know my fellow devs and everyone else on our team is that people buy a story now you can have beautiful artwork but if there's no story to go along with it, that's all it is in the end. It's a it's a beautiful you know image. 
So I don't know about you, Chris, but um, I love a good story. And so if if I can bring those same concepts into the world of NFTs and enrich it in that way, you know, we're not we're not just selling images, we're selling a story. And, and you know, in the long term, we're selling an experience. And that's what I think is going to really set us apart. At the risk of sounding like a complete fanboy, I think you guys have absolutely nailed it because a lot of drops or projects, they tend to send out the rarity all at once. But one of the things that you're doing is to not only entice people to join the Discord, join the community, but also keep folks excited. There's the tavern, right? There's a tavern channel in the Discord where every once in a while, the GMs or the leaders of the project come in and they quote unquote drink ale and they get a little loose lip and they start to slowly but surely release some of the rarity, some of the attributes of these dwarves, where it came from. And I mean, it's really masterful if you really think about it, because people, as soon as someone mentions that they're going to go to the tavern, everybody's all hands on deck. You have people that are taking notes. There was even a map that was put out a couple of days ago. I mean, really just end to end, it really feels like a journey. It really feels like we're learning more about this world. It's becoming more and more real over time. Would you say that from the perspective of suspense, is this playing out exactly like you thought? Is this playing out better than you thought? Because in the beginning, I have to be completely honest with you. I'm like, come on, just show us the dwarves, right? You know, everyone's like, just reveal. But like, nope, we're going to release them on this day. This is going to happen. And then, okay, well, then when's Rarity going to come out? Like, nope, we're going to slowly but surely over time release stuff. We might release a Rarity altogether at some point. But until then, you are locked in for the ride. So Tell me, like, from your perspective, how is the reception of the way that you all are doing this project uh, really connecting with the folks out there? Yeah. So one thing that we knew going into this is that our community is key. It's so important that they be engaged and interested in what we're doing. Right. And so the best way to do that is to join our intimate conversations that we're having in Discord. So for those of our fans who are in there, they really do deserve to get the first information that's out on the market, right? The first tips, the first tricks in how to maybe select a dwarf that's going to hold more value, that sort of a thing, right? So I would say that it is playing out in the way that we uh, hoped that it would because, you know, you can drop rarities, right? You can drop that. You can, you can just say, here it is, enjoy. But for us, you know, this is a story, this is a storyline. We want people to be engaged. Um, and we've built some really neat micro environments where, like you said, if we decide, hey, you know, we've got weeks scheduled out in terms of, you know, scheduling. But our plan specifically for these rarities was to say, hey, let's celebrate milestones together, whether that be, you know, we've hit 7,000 members in Discord or 9,000 on Twitter or whatever that is. Let's get together as a community who enjoys this project, let's go to the tavern, right? And let's talk about it. Let's let's engage with each other because at the end of the day, if all we're doing is dropping rarities here, here, take a look, you know, dropping a map, we don't, you know, if we're doing it in a way that's very laissez-faire, then what's going to make you care about it, right? It's instant gratification. But if we, we engage those who are interested in our project and bring them along for the story, they're part of it, right? And so, you know, I saw one member today saying, you know, you know, in a year or two from now, when Kingdom of Doors is in a different place, right, 
nobody's going to know that I was one of the first kings who was able to give a sword to a kingsman. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And he said, nobody's probably going to remember that, but I will. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that's what we're doing. We're building story as we go and meaningful moments that are going to make this community stronger in the end. And um, that's, I think that's crucial. Evan, I'll be honest. Chris talks to me every day about one day purchasing a king. And he's really in love with the project. He actually introduced me to it. And we loved it. So we both meant it. And I wanted to touch a little bit more about the community aspect in a bit. But for a moment, I want to go back to you and your senior project. Was your aim to win an Academy Award? Tell us a bit about the process, some of the experiences that you had along the way, and how you approach creativity and projects like this. Wow, that's a great question. Man, I'd have to go back quite a ways, Chris. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) It's been quite a few years. (laughs) It's all good. Let's see. You know, in the creation of that, that film, that short film that I made, it started junior year and something we called pre-production, right? So I took this, you know, what ended up being this final film and I took it from ideation stage. So drawing, you know, sketches of the main character pitching stories to the rest of the the faculty and class. And at some points, actually pitching story to representatives from DreamWorks or Pixar or, you know, a variety of different studios that were there kind of looking to see who was standing out, right? So actually, the first story that I pitched, you had two opportunities. So the first story that I pitched, I got denied. And this class was pass or fail. So if I didn't pass... Uh, the second story, I would have to take my junior year over again. Wow. This is one of the most difficult. I would say this is the most difficult school to get into for animation here in the States. It's very intensive. Some have likened it to law school hours in terms of time put in uh, to the craft. So, you know, I look back on it fondly, but also cringe a little bit because it was so intense. But to answer your question more fully, uh, I did pass the second portion, I pitched an idea that the faculty agreed was a good idea and went on to my senior year um, and took that, you know, that idea I had and brought it into fruition and through using programs like Maya, Photoshop and different things like that. And the process went in such a way that every few weeks we'd have to show our progress and we'd have to learn how to get constructive criticism and implement it. So you know, that process kind of went throughout the entirety of senior year and got to the end of the project. And, you know, a few were selected at the end to go on to be submitted to the Academy Awards, collegiate level Academy Awards. I wasn't selected, right? My project wasn't selected. And what I mean by that is they chose a few that they were going to uh, package in a nice tidy package, send it off that represented the school in the way that they thought felt best represented the school. Mine wasn't selected, but I felt deep down that I had worked just as hard and that my film deserved just as much of a chance. So I packaged it up myself. I did all of the Mm. things on my own. I filled out all the paperwork. Actually, back then, what you had to do is you had to have the film copied onto Betamax, which is a whole separate process. But I submitted it and I went on to the next round and everyone was surprised. And then it went on to the next round. And the next thing I know, I'd won... I'd won an Academy Award 
And it, it was a crazy wow. problem. I, I can't even begin to explain to you the emotional roller coaster of that experience. <laughs> but, you know, this was the biggest event that had happened in my life to that point. And something that I learned along the way was you have to be able to take constructive criticism, understand where that's coming from, implement it in order to make the project better. And that carried over into my years in the industry. Man, it, it, art is subjective. Right. There's a million ways to skin a cat, right? There's good animation and there's bad animation. But once you get up into the good animation kind of arena, there's a million ways you can do something in terms of acting or the way that a character moves. Does he, you know, does he walk quickly? Does he walk briskly? Does he have, you know, a hitch in his step because he hurt his hip? earlier before the the film started there's all these things to take into account and you can do it a million ways but everybody has you know opinion about what that looks like so i got really used to taking constructive criticism in ways that enabled me to utilize you know and put that back into the project to make it even better so that is one of the things i would say that i at least one of the things that i learned along the way and is currently being implemented into the Kingdom of Dwarves is we've got this scenario going on and this constant dialogue with our and with our you know those uh, the followership in Discord you know our family at this point. What do you guys like? What don't you like? What do you think about this? Do you have ideas about what weapons you'd like to see? Right. We want that dialogue going because in the end, you know. We want to make our fan base happy. We want them to be engaged. We want them to be all about the story. This idea that we're the all-knowing ones who know exactly what needs to be done here and there, I think is that's a very arrogant way of approaching the creative process. And it's amazing what's blossomed out of it. I know some some have been writing their own backstories. We have an incredibly creative community. <laughs> I, I've been blown away by some of the submissions to the art you know, art channel that we have. And like I said, we have people writing their own backstories and recording audio. Uh, yeah. Just all kinds of awesome stuff. I, I'm I'm literally blown away that the creative community that we've attracted feels empowered to also create. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm flattered. I'm honored. It's amazing. Let's cut to the heart of something that I just heard uh, during that story about you winning your award. Your first submission was not accepted. It, from their perspective, it just wasn't good enough. You resubmit better, it gets accepted. You go through this back and forth of receiving feedback. It's not good enough. You need to sweet, tweak it, change it, make it better. Receive more feedback, tweak it, change it, make it better. You submit to be a part of the, the, the school submission for the Academy Awards, not accepted. But you still felt so strongly about your abilities that you submitted anyway. You were, you were willing to accept additional rejection because you believed in yourself and you believed in your work so, so wholeheartedly that you were willing to resubmit, go to that extra mile in order to submit, and you end up winning. Really? Like, take us through the feelings of that. That, Like, when you really think back on that time of betting on yourself and going against the grain, what does that really mean to you? I mean, there was so many moments of shock. You know, um, I, I definitely believe in my creative ability. Um, 
you know, and I believe in the work that I put in. Um, but I think the heart behind why I went ahead and forged my way, my own way in terms of submitting and, and being a part of that was, um, you know, I'd worked really, really hard. And um, again, it's, it's opinions, you know, art is subjective. So for me, just because they didn't think that it was good enough, didn't mean that that was true of me or my project. So I submitted, I did all the legwork. And the way that the Academy Award system works is that there are tiers. So you go, you know, in your region, does it, does it win first place in that region? Yes. Okay. Then you go to, you know, the next stage. I think there were four or five stages that I had to uh, win in order to go to the finals. And then in the end, you know, I think there was a, a gold, silver, bronze sort of a scenario. But so there were three films that won in the animation category, and mine was one of them. And every time that it would go on to the next stage, I would hear back. I would get this email or a phone call, actually, I think it was that, you know, you've, you've made it to the next round. It was just, I was in shock because not because I didn't think that my work was good enough, but just because nothing like that had ever happened to me in my life. You know, you're, you're at this prestigious school with this amazing talent around you. Everybody's incredible at what they do. And yet your project's being singled out as being something of quality and it's being honored. And, you know, people are looking at you differently you know, having conversations with you about things all of a sudden that you're, I guess it's warranted, right? Somebody else thinks something highly of you because of an achievement that you've made. And it's just a bizarre experience. And I remember it felt very surreal. I don't know about you, Chris, but have you ever had something, you ever gotten news of something that, you know, you weren't expecting and, um, oh, yeah. it was good news, right? Right. Um, and unbelievable news. And there's moments of shock, right? Absolutely. You're yeah. shocked. It's almost like an outer body experience. Time either slows down or speeds up. And it just feels very strange. It feels very different. That's exactly the feeling I, I got over the course of a few months, multiple times as the film went on. And, you know, this was during a very difficult time here in our country. You know, we were in a recession. This is 2000. 2007, 2008, the prospect of getting a job outside of college, post-college was, it was grim, you know, nobody was hiring. Um, We had had, you know, representatives from all these studios coming in to see our work, but they weren't promising anything like they were in years prior. So we were all really concerned, you know, what is that going to look like for us moving forward? Because nobody's committing to bringing us on as entry-level positions in animation. So I also knew from that perspective, this might give me a shot at actually, you know, landing a landing a gig in a very difficult economic situation. So one thing that we think about when we think about our experiences in life is we think about the company we keep, right? You can have all the great experiences in the world, but if you're not doing it with great people, uh, there's a missed opportunity there. But the the folks, just like you were saying about the community with the Kingdom of Dwarves, there are some incredible people in the Discord. I see people helping each other. There was someone that they lost their money, but they almost lost their NFTs. 
There was a member that helped bring that back, which is incredible. Like you said, we have so many creators in there that are doing all kinds of incredible things. I'd like you to combine this answer with not only what it means to have all those people in the community, but then also what is that going to mean for the coming things that you're going to be doing with Kingdom of Dwarves? Yeah, so, um, you know, I feel like likenesses attract, right? Or at least it seems like most of the people who've come across our project see the quality of the work and they go, oh, that caught my eye. That's really interesting. That, 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 you know, and again, this is just my opinion, but they see the quality there and they go, you know, either you see it or you don't, right? There's a lot of projects out there that are, you know, the quality is just not there. Actually, a lot of projects, you know, I'm not saying some art's better than others. And again, that's subjective, but you've got a lot of 8-bit art. You've got a lot of hand-drawn stuff, which can be good. But what we're really trying to do is a cinematic quality thing, right? So we're attracting people who have an eye for that. And those tend to be creative people because they get it. Um, So bringing in these creative people, they all do something individually that is creative, whether that be writing or photography. Or, you know, we have a few in our channel now that actually are professional 3D artists themselves. And so what does that look like for us moving forward? Well, one of the things we always said in terms of utility that we wanted to do specifically for our community is do Q&As with the artists, right? So now I, I kind of head up 3D animation aspect, but one of our other GMs, he's in charge of all the modeling, lighting, texturing, and design. So he designed the dwarf itself. What we'd like to do is have panels where we do like, okay, if you hold a dwarf, you get to come in and ask us any questions you want about the project, about the creative process. Um, And also along with that, we're going to do live tutorials where, you know, we walk through the process of, you know, uh, Citrix doing his modeling live. Me. You know, once we get to the animation aspect, I'm going to be animating and talking through the, the thought processes behind character movement and motivations and those sorts of things. We really want to enrich the community. We want them to feel like they're getting a special access to, you know, artists that are in the animation industry who are doing things like working on the Game of Thrones intro, right. you know, a Clash of Clans. You know, I, I worked on Jumanji a few years ago, and, I, and I'd love to talk about all of those things. Um, and give insight into those for those who might want to go into this field or who just genuinely want to know more about what the industry looks like. So those two things we're definitely doing. And a third thing is definitely on the docket that we are so excited about implementing is we want to give others the chance to try their hand at 3D. So we're going to be looking at giving out scholarships um, for online courses, which I've vetted and I've recommended people to before if they're interested in the world of animation whether that be modeling lighting texturing rendering animation we're going to be giving out scholarships to those in our community so that they get an opportunity if it's cost prohibitive for them to jump in and try their hand in the world of animation and i i am so excited about that because i already see a few emerging in our discord who seem very interested in in the opportunity to do that so i mean how cool would that be that would be so incredible love everything that you all are doing and i can only see this going to the moon evan 
Thank you so much for hopping on the mic with us today. For the folks that want to stay up to date with you and stay up to date and even join the community of the Kingdom of the Dwarves, what are the best ways that people can do that? I would say the number one way is to join our Discord. You can find that information on our Twitter page. It's directly linked below. Um, that's the best way to have a direct contact with us. We pride ourselves on being very active on Discord and interfacing uh, with our community. Um, so that would be the first and foremost way. If you're not Discord savvy or that's not really your thing, you know, definitely follow us on Twitter. Uh, we have posts coming all the time, updating our, our fan base of what we're doing, what's coming, what you should be excited about. Again, our project's unique in that it's season drops, so it's different, right? We have all kinds of cool things lined up over the next six to eight months for this specific collection. So those are the two best ways to follow us. Of course, visit our website at www.kingdomofdwarves.io. Again, that's .io, a little different than, than you may be used to, but... <laughs> Follow us there. Check out the website. It's being, you know, it's being worked on every day, all kinds of new functionality to come. Evan, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. We'll be sure to stay in touch and be a witness to all your future success. We're rooting for you and the project. We'll also drop all those resources in the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with you. And we'll see everyone next time in the metaverse. Thank you.